This is the Paranormal Search Radio Show and Podcast. Discussing unexplainable events that shape our extraordinary world. for the Paranormal Search Radio and Podcast. I am sitting here with the president of our group, Ross Weidler, and our guest for this evening, Tony Puglis. Puglis. Anthony V. Puglis. He is a full-time customer service worker. He's an investigator, researcher, writer, and author of a book of poetry and has published in small press magazines and anthologies. His current work entitled, All Things Truly Wicked is fictional and contains 11 of his short stories. Uh, this book can be found in Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, and Apple iTunes. So thank you so much, Tony, for being with us. Tonight, hey. let's do a little bit of talking about reptilian humanoids. My uh, friend and president of Paranormal Search here, Ross Weiler, and I, uh, we've been discussing the creature from the Black Lagoon for quite a while now. Uh, reptilians are one of my favorite cryptids, and I want to discuss everything I know about them, and I've discovered in my research, of course. So where did the idea for the iconic film come from? Was it pure fiction? We were actually asking those questions to ourselves, or was it some? Was there some fact involved with this? Uh, tonight, I'll explore the film, and if the time allows, uh, the roles reptilians have played in our worldly cultures, our own lexicons, and our social media. There's no actual evidence these creatures truly exist, there are many myths, legends, and lore which spans the globe. Is, is there something to this? Well, you all can be the judge. Um, well, we see that anthropomorphic reptilian races or beings are commonly appear in fantasy and science fiction. For any of you gamers out there, they can be based on various reptiles, crocodiles, alligators, snakes, dinosaurs, and dragons. Often they're depicted as powerful warriors, through the, though their intelligence to humans may vary. Um, in many books and movies, uh, some are more human-looking than others, and more sophisticated. Uh, speech patterns also vary. If they're if they're primitive, they often speak with extended hissing sounds, and others uh, others would enunciate with more articulation. Like uh, science fiction films, uh, some reptiles resemble animals. The Lizard Man of Bulo in 1930, by Francis Flagg, is one example. Uh, another would include Star Trek episode 18, called Arena in which Captain Kirk battles a lizard, the creature uh, called a Gorn, which is a very popular episode, one of my favorites. The Drax, from the film Enemy Mine with Lou Gossett Jr. is another example. And the television franchise V, which featured beings called the Visitors. They were lizard-like aliens who came to Earth in great ships, disguised themselves as humans, and they promised friendship and technology, but their nefarious intentions and true identities were discovered, and a battle for supremacy ensued. But where did all these other stories, where do these stories come from, including The Creature of the Black Lagoon, The Shape of Water, films of that nature, where do they all come from? Do you know the first movie that has a reptilian humanoid? Um, 
<coughs> there have been many in the past in the 1950s and 60s with the alligator people. A uh, creature from the Black Lagoon, of course, all those sequels that were spun from that one. Um, Revenge of the Creature and the Creature Walks Among Us. Um, there were there was one uh, movie I don't remember the title of, but they were aliens who were reptilian in appearance and had slitted eyes, and they would have these needles come out of their fingers. And what those needles did was secrete alcohol, and whoever they would pierce with these needles would be drunk and were anesthetized. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could remember the name. It was a, a classic. I used to see it on TV all the time. But uh, there were many films that incorporated uh, reptilian beings. Uh, this Island Earth, the aliens were sort of reptilian in appearance mm-hmm. from the 1950s. Um, uh, trying to think of uh, uh, The Shape of Water, of course, is one of the very popular films. Like Guillermo del Toro. Oh, and Hellboy, where uh, the alien or amphibian man, Abraham Sapien, as he was called in the film, a very intelligent, uh, somewhat uh, reptile, but he was more, I think, amphibian than reptile. But yeah, there's there were many movies that uh, incorporated uh, this particular theme. What about you, Rossi? Can you remember anything when, as you were a kid, that had a reptilian humanoid walking around? Never, 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 never. Well, you've seen Creature from the Black Lagoon. The guy saw him coming out of the Amazon River, and this is how the movie got started with the Creature of the Black Lagoon. Because he gave what he saw to this woman who designed the suit for that movie with Ben Chapman in it. So he also was seen in the Ohio River attacking a woman back in 1960s. But yeah, like Ross said, uh, did the story inspire this compelling classic? I uh, believe it did. Yeah, now the, the creature story was the brainchild of uh, Maurice Zim, mm-hmm. an American radio, television, and film writer. Uh, or he was born Maurice Zimring in Waterloo, Iowa in the U.S. His career transitioned to several film projects until he began developing the storyline for The Creature. For producer William Allard, or Allen, I'm sorry, who had been developing an idea about a half-man, half-fish creature. After being told about a legendary creature by the Mexican cinematographer Gabriel Figueroa, who happened to be at a dinner party at Orson Welles when he mentioned it, uh, Zim produced a 59-page story treatment and uh, which was developed into a screenplay by Harry Essex and Arthur Rose. And in the plot line, scientists track a prehistoric gill man in the South American jungle. They capture the mysterious beast, but it breaks free. The gill man later kidnaps the lovely Kay, one of the scientists with whom it has fallen in love with. Very common theme with monsters, beauty and the beast kind of thing. Now the creature was designed by Disney animator Millicent Patrick. She was an actress, makeup artist, special effects artist and animator who died February 24th, 1988 at age 82. Uh, makeup artist Bud Westmore received most of the credit, and it was rumored that he was jealous of Patrick's association with the creature costume. So what's the true story behind the legendary film? What did Gabriel Figueroa know about a Gilman? Well, it seems that the, at the party with Orson Welles, he described a creature that he knew that lives up in the Amazon. And once a year, the beast comes up and claims a maiden. After that, he leaves. The village is safe for another year. Now, he knew everyone thought he was joking, and he insisted that this story was absolutely true, that he could produce photos, and this and that. Was Gabriel truly joking, though? Uh, well, where are the photos here mentioned anyway? Plus, uh, none, of, none were ever produced, and he died years later. The subject never came up again. So, um... 
but he's if we're talking folklore and everything in regards to this creature there's much about it uh, how many in this anybody in this room know anybody who's ever said they've seen anything strange a reptile man or anybody out there and ever think they've ever seen a reptile <coughs> man or something like that they're seeing them down in mississippi yeah. um there was a fisherman that was out in his boat he seen this thing come off of the shore walk into the water swim go into a cave that was full of water and go down under and he said it resembled the creature of the black lagoon okay okay so he paddled his butt out of there he wasn't going to stick around and see what was really going on so he left and never to return again but he did report it to the sheriff they <laughs> well, i'm glad sheriff you brought that up i have lots of information about those particular sightings let's go to lee county south carolina um, anyone ever heard of the Lizard Man of, of, of Scape or Swamp? Uh, this was first mentioned in the late 1980s. Okay, uh, the purposed sighting, the purported sightings were, and damage was attributed to a creature that yielded a significant amount of uh, newspaper and radio television publicity at that time. Uh, it began much like, uh, you know, it was a media frenzy. Uh, there was a cult following. Several people, uh, however, believed that the, the story, uh, you know, started to wither after time, you know, like stories always do. And then they changed drastically under skeptical scrutiny. You know, like, like uh, saying something to somebody's ear and suddenly the story changes that goes down the line. But on July 14, 1988, uh, Lee County Sheriff's Office investigated a report of a car damaged overnight while parked at a home in the area of Browntown outside of Bishopville, South Carolina, uh, on the edges of the escape or swamp. Now that car had tooth marks and scratches with hair and muddy footprints left behind. Uh, the story coalesced into a lizard man in the swamp somehow, and two weeks prior to that story, a 17-year-old local uh, reported to the sheriff that his car was damaged by a creature he described as green, wet-like, about seven feet tall, with three fingers on each hand, red eyes, skin like a lizard, and snake-like scales. According to the witness, he was driving home from work one night from the night shift at a fast food restaurant. His car got a flat tire. After he fixed it, he saw the creature walking towards him. He got in his car and he began to drive, but the creature was soon on top of the car. Now, when he applied the brakes, uh, this caused the creature to roll off the car and the witness escaped. Now, coverage by newspapers and media resulted in increased attention for, for his claims, and a local businessman started selling Lizard Man t-shirts, and the local Chamber of Commerce encouraged the media attention. Now, they said it was good for the community, so everybody kind of loved this story. They kind of brought tourists and everything. Now, the, incre the increase in newspaper and media publicity, that prompted further reports. The area soon became a, a very wide tourist attraction for visitors and hunters everywhere. The local radio station even offered a $1 million reward to anybody who could capture the creature alive. Now, on August 5th, an airman stationed at the Shaw Air Force Base, he filed a police report alleging that he had encountered a lizard man on Highway 15, and he had shot and wounded the creature. He presented several scales and a small quantity of blood as evidence. He recanted his story about two days later, and he said the witness had hoaxed the whole sighting in order to keep the stories about the lizard man in circulation. Reports of the creature gradually declined at the end of the summer. Local law enforcement officials speculated that the sightings were likely to have been caused by a bear. I don't already got bear out of scales and whatever but in 2008 CNN mentioned the lizard man legend legend again in a story about a couple in Bishopville South Carolina 
They reported damage to their vehicle, too, including blood traces. The blood traces were subsequently found to be from a domestic dog, though the local sheriff suggested it might have been a coyote or a wolf. In 2015, a television station featured photos and videos claimed to be Lizard Man, allegedly taken by unidentified individuals. In August 2017, South Carolina Emergency Management Division sent a humorous tweet they said regarding possible paranormal activity during the solar eclipse that passed over the area, hinting that people of Lee and Sumter counties should just remain vigilant for sightings of the lizard man. So they're trying to make a correlation between correlation between lizard man and these eclipses. Oh, uh, the Kentucky lizard man. Uh, he was seen in the tiny town of Stevensport, Kentucky. That sits on the Ohio River, facing the border with Indiana. In an autumn of 1966, at around 1.30 a.m., a Stevensport resident was awakened suddenly by strange sounds outside of his house. As he looked outside through the window, the homeowner reportedly saw a six-foot lizard man with brownish-green skin, excuse me, webbed appendages, and a large ridge that ran from his forehead to the crown of his head, where it peaked like an arrowhead. Now, realizing that someone was staring at him, the creature retreated towards Sinking Creek, which connects to the Ohio River. This was not the first sighting of a strange reptilian near the Ohio River, though. In 1878, a journalist for the Courier Journal of Louisiana filed a story about a wild man of the woods. That was supposed to be a six-foot-tall humanoid with scales that was captured and displayed in Louisville. And and another one in Loveland, Ohio in 1972, uh, a creature called the Loveland Frog, also known as the Loveland Lizard, He's a legendary humanoid frog, described as standing roughly four feet tall. Um, the frog legend gained renewed uh, attention when police uh, officers signed, sighted and killed an animal they later identified, and this is strange, as a large iguana that was missing its tail. <laughs> now, according to other legends, the creature was first sighted in 1955, but some versions of the story specifying the month of May in a family called the Hendersons they were reportedly attacked by an animal. Uh, there were three different versions of this story, and only differ slightly from each other. Uh, the story all starts the same way, of course. It's a businessman and a traveling salesman driving along an unnamed road late at night. In one story, the driver was heading out to the Branch Hill neighborhood when he spotted three figures uh, standing erect on their hind legs along the sides of the road. Each were three to four height, uh, feet in height with leathery skin and frog faces. In the other two versions of the story, the creatures were spotted under or over a poorly lit bridge, and there were a number of bridges in Loveland going over the Little Miami River. This story tells of a businessman watching the figures converse for a while until one of the creatures held a wand over his head and fired a spray of sparks, startling the observer into fleeing the scene. Talk about Harry Potter. Names? Professor Flitwick, you've known me for five years. No exceptions, Potter. On March 3, 1972, at 1 a.m., a Loveland police officer was driving on Riverside Drive near the Totes Boot Factory, and uh, when an unidentified animal scurried across the road in front of his vehicle, the animal was fully illuminated in, his, in the headlights, and he described it as three to four feet long or tall, and about 50 to 75 pounds with leathery skin. Uh, he spouted, said he spotted the animal crouching like a frog before it momentarily stood erect to climb over the guardrail and back down towards the river. Two weeks after that, 
Another Loveland police officer reported seeing an identified animal, an unidentified animal crouching on the road in the same vicinity. That officer actually shot the animal, and he recovered the body he put in his trunk to show the, off the other officer. According to the second officer, though, he said it was a large iguana, about 3.5 3 feet long, and he didn't immediately recognize it because it was missing its tail. Um, the officer recounted the incident to the author of a book about urban legends, but says the author omitted the part that confirmed that the creature was an iguana rather than a frogman because it didn't make it quite interesting. Now, some of those stories, I'm not too sure if they're uh, how true they really are. Uh, I can no clear up the clear. one, the, the one yeah. with the boy getting out of the, the uh, McDonald's. That was a hoax. Well, they said, uh, well, yeah, they said it was a hoax. It, yeah. it was a hoax, and he, he went to the sheriff with his dad and everything, and he, he was a drug thing. He got killed, but it was a hoax. He hoaxed that. Why, I don't know. I got the whole, I didn't read the whole story, but he hoaxed that one. Uh, this is one you're going to love, this one. This is one we talk about all the time. Yeah. This is the, the one lady. of the best known lizard ones. Uh, uh, attacked by what she called a green clawed beast. Mm -hmm. On August 1955, it was a hot summer afternoon, Evansville, Indiana. In the, on the Hawaii, Ohio River, Naomi Johnson and her best friend Louise Lamble, along with Naomi's children Daryl, Darwin, and Sandra, they went to the river for a swim. Uh, now, when the children remained on the riverbank, Naomi, uh, she swam out the river. Her friend Louise entered the water with an inner tube. At some point, 15 yards off the shore, Louise was pulled underwater, but soon surfaced, gasping for air. And she said something was pulling her under just before she disappeared under the surface. She managed to free herself after a few attempts. Once back on the river, uh, Naomi's wounds from the attack were obvious. Her leg was scratched from her knee to ankle, and she was covered with a bluish-colored mud. Uh, when medical help was summoned, they tried to clean her leg. They could not remove the bluish stain on her leg, which they reportedly took several days to fade, she said. Uh, while no one, no one really got a good look at what attacked her, but uh, she reported that the creature had a green-scaled body and a hairy three-clawed three hands. Sounds a lot like a creature. Johnson later claimed that she was visited by a U.S. Air Force officer who warned her not to speak of what happened. In fact, she said that what attacked her looked like, in quotations here, one of those little green men. Now, many strange creatures and events have been reported along the Ohio, but many uh, people maintain the case of the green-clawed beast is that of misinterpretation. Um, it was uh, supposed to be a, a real event that was exaggerating by years of retelling. The Ohio River is deadly undertow, may have been responsible for pulling Naomi underwater, according to most. I don't believe that. No way. Uh, the river bottom is littered with cast-off fishing line and debris and trash uh, from the busy shipping traffic that moves along that river. As for the blue stains uh, that could not be cleaned, it was tested and shown to be mud from deep caves beneath the river. It was stirred up by the boat traffic or natural underwater movement. No way. Okay, this was on her leg. I don't think it went up into her... I just, and, uh, you know, I, I don't believe that story at all. Um, now, whether or not subsequent sightings of a 15-year-old, a 15-foot lizard man in Trimble County in 55 is uh, is true. The attack on the woman here, that, that I think this, I think this is very much of a real story. And why would a Navy, why would a, a Navy officer come to her house? 
mean, you know, what do you gentlemen think about this? <clears throat> Number one, yeah. when they showed this uh, reenactment, uh, they had the Creature of the Black Lagoon clip showed that she said this is what it resembled. That's the closest she could get to it. Did she admit to seeing it? Underwater. Uh, she did underwater. she admit to seeing the movie in the theater? I can't. Did, uh, I don't know if she did. No. No, I don't, I don't know if she even... I don't, she went, when she went underwater yeah. the third time, she got a good look at it. And this was 1955. 55, 19, yeah. It's 55. Yeah, well, this says... Uh, let me see. Let me go back. 55. Information here. Uh, that's a little, 55, August 1955. And in Ohio. Yeah, it came out in 54. But how do you... The Ohio River would be so dark. How on earth would you even see... Yeah, I'm wondering if that. Somebody pulled me under. The last thing I'm going to do is worry about what it looks like. Sure. I'm thinking the same thing too. But there's got to be there's something to this story. Where did the the mud come from? The blue mud in her. Yeah, everybody's seen it. And why would a Navy officer? If it wasn't for those two incidents, I don't think I would have believed the story. I would have thought, you know, like you said, that movie came out in '54. Revenge of the Creature came out in 1955. '54. Huh? No, Revenge of the Creature. Oh. The Creature from the Black Lagoon came out in 54. Mm-hmm. Revenge of the Creature 55. The Creature Walks Among Us in 56. So they're sort of back to back year after year. But um, there are other legends, though. These legends go back very far about reptile men or creatures that are very similar to reptile men. Has anybody ever heard of a Yakaruna? Okay, uh, this is a mythical water person, half human, half fish, half reptile. They, uh, and this comes from the Amazon. The stories from the Amazon. They said they're, they live in beautiful underwater cities. At the mouths of rivers, they're prominently found among indigenous people of the Amazon, and they still believe these legends today. Uh, the term derived from the, uh, from pronouncing this right, Quechua language, Yaku for water, Runa for man, which Yakaruna, water man. The Yakaruna are man-like and hairy. This is a strange, uh, it says, with backward turned heads and deformed feet. At night, they wear giant bow constrictors around their necks while riding giant black cock crocodiles like canoes. They're supposed to be considered to many to be mythological gods. The local people believe they sleep at the bottom of rivers and lakes, and they communicate with aquatic animals, sort of like Aquaman. Uh, they're attracted to the odor of blood and menstruating women. Uh, once a woman is abducted, the Yakaruna transforms into a handsome man who drugs her with uh, secretions which act as aphrodisiacs and then brings her to his kingdom. Um, that sounds a lot like what, uh, what the Mexican cinematographer Gabriel said about how they come up for maidens and they take the, the maiden and once they go back down into the water, they uh, they never come back again. They're, they're happy. Now, what happens is that anybody subducted by a Yakaruna, whether it's a man, a child, or a woman, they become a Yakaruna as time goes on. And uh, that's part of They actually sit on turtle shells. They recline on hammocks made from feathers, or butterfly wings, their cities are crystal, or multicolored walls that are made from fish scales and pearl. They're seductive and sexually dangerous. Um, fishermen have gone missing and mysterious pregnant young girls. Mysteriously pregnant young girls, as if they had impregnated them and then claimed them back into the water. Uh, there was a man named Don Juan Flores Salazar. He described the story of how his little sister was taken by a Yakaruna. She was swimming. She was pulled underwater. She vanished. A year later, he saw her again. She was still alive, but she was a Yakaruna, described as what may be considered like a mermaid-type-looking creature at the time. Uh, she said she had married a Yakaruna and gained knowledge in becoming 
healer of the waters. They're supposed to be great creatures of great healing power, which may have given Guillermo del Toro, or the, uh, I'm sorry, the writer of uh, The Shape of Water, uh, the idea for creating The Shape of Water. The creature in that movie had the powers of healing. He was also bioluminescent. He also took um, the woman at the end of the film into the water with him, and eventually she was starting to transform into one of his types of creatures. So some of these mythologies, there's there's much mythology, there's a lot of mythology and fiction, but how real are they? There are stories of reptiles being seen in cities, living in sewers. Calabunga, dude. Even a strange story, uh, bro, I remember that story about the, uh, the reptile behind the woman's walls in her house, and her daughter was feeding it sandwiches. Yeah, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> and then she saw, uh, when she went in the room, she was wondering, who's eating all these peanut butter sandwiches? She went to the bedroom, and uh, the creature is, she had another peanut butter sandwich. The little girl had another peanut butter sandwich, and this claw comes out of the closet like this, like, give me the sandwich. And her mom freaks out, and he takes her, her daughter, shuts the closet, and runs out. But the only problem I have with that story is that she never left the house. She didn't call the police. No. She didn't even try to, to lock the doors with chains in there. She went to bed and the creature crawled in bed with her one night. Right. And she said she went to bed and the creature dragged her out of bed and, mm -hmm. and he breathed some kind of like poison into her face and it caused her to, to become sleepy and groggy and or whatever and drugged her for a little while. But then it just disappeared. But I know one thing. If there was a creature that big behind my wall, <laughs> the last thing I'm going to do is go back to bed later on or, or stay in that house. I'm going to run down to the nearest police station and tell them what the heck's going on. And they'd have to go back there and see how it got. It must have gotten into the house somehow. It probably it got came underground. The tunnels, yeah, from the underground, from some kind of mm -hmm. underground tunnel system. Um, and I'm wondering, well, because the story jumps from this thing in the closet, and then yeah. she's the woman's in her bedroom sleeping. How do you sleep like that when there's something in your walls? Hey, I'm calling the cops. I'm calling animal control. I'm calling somebody. Yeah, Man, this is crazy. I mean, the so, thing of it is, I think that was a type of a ranch house that was just on a cement slab. And this creature came tunneling up through, you know what I mean, the floor to come up inside that closet. Actually, it was an apartment building. That's or something kind well, of. Well, she was on like the first floor. She was on the. I don't remember the whole story. I wish I was in uh, the TV and show. And then Mysteries they also had Monsters the ones there. that were chasing the woman in the truck. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it was in the TV show Mysteries <laughs> and Monsters. There. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. The one with the they were coming out of the sewers. Yeah. And they were, they were walking sort of on, on all fours like uh, Quasimodo or something. Oh, 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 and rawr, and chased this woman on a truck. And then uh, the, her yeah, boyfriend came out club. and tried to fight him off of the golf club and everything with golf clubs. And he jumped back in the truck and disappeared. And then it was it was like a foggy night or something. It was yeah. some summertime was night. in California. Yeah. And so, yeah the, all these stories come from originating in California almost. Uh, mm -hmm. So there's lots of different ones. But there's different The things, different you know, stories. the questions I have. Pals, reptilians, and a gill man, how much are they alike? Uh, <coughs> are reptilians alien? Where do they live? Yeah. Uh, do they believe reptilians are running the U.S. government? Oh, yeah, they do. And I can tell you right now, <laughs> gentlemen. Uh, these are questions. I before we go, how far back these legends go, though? We'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, um, yeah I do have information on that as well. Uh, how far these stories go as far back? Uh, they go very far back. I mean, how many people know here about stories of feathered serpents? Quetzalcoatl, uh, uh, the Mayans, uh, they all have one thing in common. Almost every civilization, including Meso the Mesoamericans, uh, the Egyptians, uh, the Southeast Asians, the uh, Eastern Indians, all have stories about some kind of serpents that fly, either with feathered wings or wings. The stories of dragons, creature reptilian creatures with wings, 
Uh, in the Western civilization, however, we're always trying to kill the darn things. You know, there's like uh, the knights in shining armor. I will slay the dragon. <laughs> and the one thing they have in common, the dragons are always doing what? They're always gathering shiny objects, jewels, coins. They don't want monetary gain. What are they going to do? They go down the Boscovs. Nobody beats the prices at Boscovs. No, they're going to. So they're always. What else are they always doing? What else are dragons so popular for in Western? But it's the treasure that lures men. Yes, but what else do dragons do? What else do dragons do that uh, that, that 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 cause the knights to come and, and vanquish them? Usually capture a maiden. That's correct. And what do these uh, reptilians all have in common in some of the folklore and some of these other stories? They're always grabbing women and and sending them into the water. What is it about human women that they're interested in? And where do these stories about dragons uh, come from? Uh, actually, come from? Is it true? Okay, that they're we're reptilians? talking Chicago yeah. now. Yeah, we're talking Chicago. They're having dragons, owl men, humanoids, and who are seeing these? Women. Mostly women. I got the book in there from Lawn. Yeah, but are they coming to the women's houses and, and trying to make love They're to them? They're mostly outside. Or taking them as brides? They're outside. Yeah. So we know about Kessel, we know the Feathered Serpents, we know that they also took maidens. They were, and the Mayans, the, the Aztecs, the Toltecs, the Incas, all had that in common. But each one of those creatures were Feathered Serpents with different names, um, which I can't pronounce. Kukulkan, or Kukulkan. He was uh, for the, the Yucatec Mayans. And there's one here, Kuzamats and Towhill, among the Kichi Mayas. Uh, means precious holy snake or precious holy twin. Um, the feathered serpent is considered uh, allegoric to the dual nature of the, of the deity, which being feathered represents its divine nature to fly and reaches the skies. Um, the Mesoamerican deities are the most interesting ones out of because it's the closest thing to what that. But how far back, how far back do they really go? Well, why don't we try the Bible, the serpent and the tree? When you think of serpent, we think of what? We think of a snake. But the serpent was not a snake. He did not become a snake until after he tempted Adam and Eve, and then God punished him to crawl in his belly. On thy belly thou shalt crawl for the rest of thine days. Um, actually, uh, the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you did this, more cursed shall you be than all cattle and all the wild beasts. On your belly shall you crawl, and dirt shall you eat all the days of your life. The serpent had arms and legs. But where did the word serpent when you think of that, what type of creature was this? Was he a reptile man? Was he like the creature? Raku Brownings and Ben Chapman's that they played that played them in the movie? Or was it some kind of other creature? That start how did it start out? How many people here know about uh you know, I know there may not be there may be people out there or who could be um, religious, so we don't really want to offend anybody, but I was I was raised as a Catholic and then I studied a lot of other religions too as well. But uh, the, some of these religions all have some the same thing in common, that there were beings in the heavens that were cast down on earth. Okay, and that would be the fallen angels. Don't mistake them for demons, because fallen angels and demons are two different things. The dark angels cannot possess bodies like you see in the exorcist. Power of Christ compels you! Dark angels, uh, angels themselves are created from fire. That's their element. And what does fire have something close to do with? What do dragons do? They exude fire. They breathe fire. They use it as a weapon. They take maidens. They like to collect shiny objects like a lot of uh, animals do, especially some types of reptiles and stuff, and amphibians and birds and so forth. Um, not to get off the beaten track here, 
but you can you can probably go all over the place in the Jewish angelic hierarchy though angels were cast down to earth one of those classifications there are many classifications of angels cherubim seraphim principalities Gregorians uh, well, I can't remember all the dominions and so forth now the devil himself was supposed to be a seraphim the seraphim are called the burning ones and because we are made from earth and they are made of fire the element of fire God asked them the angels to revere man above all his creations well Satan said I ain't or the devil said I am I'm not having that I says uh, we were created first we need to revere we should be revered not them which is why he was cast down to the earth um, the first thing these angels did when they were cast down some of them made love to the human women they took them as wives because they thought they were beautiful and they created creatures called Nephilim but anyway getting back to the seraph seraph in some in, uh, in some languages translates to serpent and they're not these gorgeous angels that look like Fabio with blonde hair and, and, and brown skin and six wings these creatures had multiple wings feathered serpents they were serpentine in appearance which is why this word seraphim came from serpent so if there was one of these creatures in the Garden of Eden whatever the garden was whatever Adam and Eve did to get God angry um, this creature was in the garden with them and this creature allowed itself to be tempted by the devil in order to create it now we what do we call the devil as well the devil is called many things he's called the serpent he's called the dragon so how far back do these reptilian stories go well gentlemen they go as far back as biblical times they go far back long before man was even created so um, we uh, in our quest for trying to find facts and figures could these creatures be something that goes as that far back and they're they're the descendants of, of anything that, that in all these legends and everything <coughs> there there's a like story the that they think these yeah. uh, reptilians come from the center of the earth yes but that makes perfect sense because the angels yeah. had no place to go when they were cast down the the earth like i said they have bodies they can't possess your body the nephilim that were destroyed during the great flood uh they could not be saved by god they were abominations they were half human half uh God, technically the angels. Now, where do we hear about that? We hear a lot about that in Greek mythology. There's reptilian uh, type of uh, stories in, in Greek mythology. There's stories of reptilians in Roman mythology and mythologies all over the world. Very similar stories, which was why it was so easy for Greeks and Romans to convert to Catholicism and Christianity because the stories about a man dying on a cross and res being resurrected and angels coming, beings coming down to earth and making love to human women wasn't a far cry from what they already believed. So, you know, they had Zeus, they believed in all the gods and everything. So, anyway, um, now, uh, we were mentioning about conspiracies. Some of these creatures, if they were earthbound, could have been, uh, if some of these angels were walking around earthbound, or whatever you want to call them, angels, or however you want to see it, you don't have to see it in the way a Catholic see it, or the way uh, any religion see it, but if they did become advanced, it's possible they, uh, they could be here in the center of the earth, and they could be living in caves, they could be living in sewers, they could be living anywhere. There may be several types, just like not all people are smart, not all these reptilian things are smart either. There's ones that don't speak very well, there's some that still crawl on their, on their arms and legs like primitive animals, and there's others that stand straight up and they're quite intelligent and they can probably give us a run for our money. So, let's talk about uh, um, 
reptilian elite and the conspiracies that surround that. Um, now, could this be true? Are there actually are they actually among us? Uh, they blink, drink blood, they eat flesh, they shape shift. Uh, are they extraterrestrial from outer space, or are they always been on this planet for for thousands of, of millenniums? Have they always been here? Um, they're humans. Their only objective is to enslave the human race, according to conspiracy. Sounds pretty hard to fathom, but they are allegedly our leaders, our corporate executives, our beloved Oscar-winning actors and Grammy-winning singers, and they are responsible for the Holocaust, the Oklahoma City bombings, and the 9/11 attacks. Yes. Former BBC sports reporter David Ick or Ike—I don't know if any of you have ever heard of him. Yeah. Okay, he's a conspiracy theorist and he's a New Age philosopher. Uh, he became the poster human for this theory in 1998. He published a book called The Biggest Secret. Now, he insisted uh, on being called the son of Godhead. He felt himself he was pretty wild. He said he calls the reptiles the Anunnaki, which means those from the heavens who came. He says the reptiles have controlled humankind since ancient times, and he has earned the dubious title of Paranoid of the Decade <laughs> in the 1990s. Now, he written other books, too. Uh, the David Icke Guide to Global Conspiracy, and he also operates his own website. His theories have supporters uh, in up to 47 counties. He's given uh, lectures to crowds of up to 6,000 uh, people. A poll of Americans in 2013 by the public policy polling indicated that 4% of registered voters believe in what he has to say. Okay, uh, His book, The Biggest Secret, contains interviews with two British people who claim that members of the royal family are nothing more than reptiles with crowns. And I've heard many of these theories and have seen videos where their eyes and faces change shape. Have you seen those? Yeah, not just her, but they're, uh, news people, uh, actors, singers, uh, Rumsfeld, uh, his face turns funny. Uh, George Bush, George, w, you know, young Bush, George W. Fool me, we can't get fooled again. Oh, yeah. Um, according to him, too, he's reading that. He's saying that monsters are from the Alpha Draconis star system. Okay, that's where he's saying they're from. And they're hiding in underground bases here in the Earth. And uh, they're the force behind a worldwide conspiracy against all humanity. He says that most of the world's ancient and modern leaders are related to these reptilians. That includes Queen Elizabeth, the Bush family, Henry Kissinger, Bill and Hillary Clinton, and Bob Hope, the comedian. He claims that lizards are behind secret societies like the Freemasons, the Illuminati, uh, which incidentally, uh, Freemasons, the Illuminati branched off from the Freemasons, I believe. Uh, there's a, a, a ritual to, when you become a Freemason, it's what they call you become, illumin you become illuminated. But once you're illuminated, then you become a, a full-fledged Freemason. Uh, lots of stories about them as well. So the Illuminati, uh, that, that they both of these organizations have been around uh, well, for hundreds of years. And uh, it says that relatives like uh, the other relatives, the Rothschilds, uh, they were a wealthy Jewish family originally from Frankfurt that rose to prominence in the Holy Roman Empire in the 1760s. They said, of course, the British Roman family and the Merovingian dynasty, they're a ruling family of the Franks. They reigned from the middle of the 5th century until the year 751. Uh, they're mentioned in Dan Brown's novel, The Da Vinci Code. They're said to be, have allowed Sarah, the daughter of Jesus Christ and Mary Magdalene, to hide within their family and become part of the bloodline 
and now the descendants of Jesus live among us today. But I suppose too that also includes uh, reptilian individuals as well. So that's a lot of that's anyway, pretty much what we got. Conspiracy left left behind. Yeah. yeah. How, how does the uh, ancient alien theory fits into all this? Are you are they? There are God only knows. Um, theories out there that these ancient reptilian aliens manipulated the DNA. Well, I think you're referring to the Anunnaki, but they're never pictured as really aliens. And some of the legends about fish creatures, uh, there are creatures called the Oannes. Um, let me find my material here. I did write something that's folklore. It's, it's, it's good that you mentioned that. All right. Ah, here we go. That's one of the oldest legends, by the way. Um, the Oannes of Mesopotamia. They were very similar in appearance in artwork to the uh, Anunnaki in the Sumerian language, in the Sumerian religions. Uh, the Oannes were supposed to be an amphibian race. They taught mankind wisdom. And they were very much like the Anunnaki, like I said, uh, except the Anunnaki came from the stars. These creatures lived in the ocean and had been here for millions of years. They have the form of a fish with the head of a man beneath, much like modern-day mermaids or merman myths. Um, they once came up from the Persian Gulf, and they instructed man in the arts and sciences. The Oannes are still uh, the focus of worship today, and their art, the artwork can be viewed. Uh, they can be viewed in artwork sharing scenes in early Catholic and Christian artwork and frescoes. Um, these are beliefs indicating there are beliefs indicating that their existence is being hidden in plain sight by the Catholic Church. That they know about these creatures. The mitre of the hat worn by the Pope, it strikes an uncanny resemblance to a fish head covering of the Onanus god still worshipped today by other religions. The uh, the mitre resembles a fish head with a mouth open. So they compared it with the with the picture of an Oannes an artwork, and you see a big fish on his head with its mouth open. It looks very much like that. Um, the Bible mentions the Tower of Babel, uh, and incidentally was also built with the assistance of the Oannes. So they've been around for quite some time. Uh, in Egyptian culture, a reptilian's uh, deity named Sobek, he had the head of a crocodile. He was depicted with similar traits. He was aggressive and animalistic. In South Asian and South Asian Southeast Asian mythology, the Naja are semi-divine creatures which are half human and half serpent. And of course, we've already mentioned the, uh, the feathered serpent. Um, and we also mentioned uh, how far back they go. If you guys have any questions at this point in time, I'll try and answer them. Because I think we've covered quite a bit here. Now, are these things real? Who knows? Pretty sure it's my awesome. co-host's brain is yeah. going around in circles on this. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of material. Like I've got all this information is is everywhere. Um, you can find it. You can look it up. Yeah, it. keep it. Um, yeah, all this, there's so much. There's a plethora of books. There's a plethora of information on the internet about this stuff. Whether these creatures are from outer space, Earth, or both, or whether they're connected is one is is, is unknown. Are they primitive? Well, pretty much, much. They're still primitive Earthlings. We still have primitive people running around the world that don't. You know, they're still carrying <laughs> spears and wearing loincloths. Uh, very few of them are driving. They don't drive cars, and you know, so why not? Have a race of beings that are still primitive living on the earth. Have they been exiled here? Or is that why they're living in caves and lakes and ponds and, and still trying to grab maidens because no one's actually getting away? And what is their interest in human women? 
Why human women? Don't they have females of their species? Are there males and females of the species? Um, there's reports of people killing these things over the centuries, but there's no proof. There's no bodies. No one has any scales. There's no blood, uh, and if there is, yeah. it's, it's, it's quite being it's been hidden from us. There is something so, we somebody can knows do something about these things to do these lakes, and it's an underwater camera that a lot of investigators today are starting to use these underwater cameras <clears> to <throat> excuse me go through these ponds and stuff to see if there is any creatures in these ponds. Uh, it's being used down in Lancaster right now because they're getting music coming from the pond. <laughs> what? So Music? What do you mean? Yeah, Elaborate. it's like a music sound like uh, Indian drums and stuff. From and, the pond? Yep. You mean under, and under the water? taking a camera and going underwater to see oh. if there's anything on the bottom of that pond that could cause this sound effect. I think you got a bee in here. So, huh? You got something? Oh, it's a big fly. Never mind. Oh. But <clears throat> like I say, if 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 there is amphibious creatures living in our ponds, and they're in rock bands, he's being humorous. Do you think uh, you ever listen to fish? Yeah. Fishbone. But I think they're spelled P H I S H, like is it fishing, like in a computer fish, fish for fish. information. Yeah. But in folklore, reptilians have existed since the beginning of storytelling. Pretty much. They've existed a lot longer, and I never didn't think of that. That because um, we think of angels, we see like people see cherubs in those little uh, in paintings that they're they're depicted as little cute little chubby little children with wings, eh, and in Valentine's Day and but cherubim were actually very powerful angels who, in fact, also looked very much like the art of uh, the Sumerian Anunnaki uh, depictions. They were huge, powerful <coughs> angels with wings of great wings. Now, whether they're really wings or some kind of of uh, a, a exhibition of power uh, that uh, emanates from their bodies. I don't know. The seraphim were supposed to be some of the smartest angels, and they had the most wings. Uh, the devil himself had pipes built into his body for music. He was most revered by God. Uh, God did not throw him into the pit as, as once believed. So supposedly these these angels, fall, these fallen angels, are still walking around the earth. They can't possess bodies. The Nephilim can do that. The body, the Nephilim are disembodied spirits. Yeah, I don't think we have to worry as much that. about these yeah. creature things anymore. But <clears throat> what I'm learning from different shows that I listen to on that radio there, uh, these guys are talking about alien invasions. That aliens are the thing that's going to do us in. Well, is it quite possible they are in the Draconis? If they are in the Draconis star system, if then we're in probably in a lot of trouble because they probably have a probably highly advanced civilization of reptiles. Yeah, okay. So according to this uh, article that's written by Mental Floss, seven <laughs> traits humans inherited from reptiles. Dun, dun, dun. Their brain huh. is one of them. It's our yolk sacs. Yes. When we're embryos, a relic of our egg laying past hangs in the womb with us, a yolk sac. Just like the bird and reptile eggs, these sacs provide embryos with nutrients. We have resilient skin. It might not look like it, but our skin developed thanks to a reptilian battle with the elements 300 million years ago. Reptilians evolved a new kind of skin to deal with the dry air on land, a watertight barrier and dead skin cells. So that's a similarity we share with them. The hair on our heads. So reptiles beat you to the punch and grew hair first. So apparently reptiles are sporting 
some some style and hair. Don't don't forget that we have a we have a reptilian brain too. Before the convoluted convolutions grew around them, a thrinaxodon, yeah. a burrowing, re- a, bur- a burrowing reptile that lived 245 million years ago, evolved the whiskers <laughs> to feel around in the dark. That's pretty neat. Well, a reptilian is more That's like cool. a, a prehistoric Anything else? creature. Mm-hmm. Well, they got the uh, the three bones in the middle of our ear that helps amplify sound. Oh yeah, the anvil. The reptiles the, have those as well. Oh, yeah, the really hammer, the anvil, and I forget yeah, the other thing. Um, he's, like, right. he's like, huh? Huh? I don't have any of that. What's that? What? It's coming back slowly. We'll jam a pencil in there, loosen uh-huh. things up a bit. So, it, it also mentioned the brains as well. Yeah, okay. Um, our teeth. Most modern reptiles have long, sharp, egg shaped chompers. Thinking oh. of crocodiles. They do not have canines. These are strictly found in mammals. But it wasn't always that way. The dog like lizard. Gorgonocipid was one of the first ancient reptiles to flaunt long saber tooth. Oh, that's right. I know that. I know that creature. Yeah. Yeah, I know about that creature. It looks similar to the uh, the beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms, except his skin is smooth. He has no dorsal spines. Mm-hmm. And he's got these two. Right. Yeah, I've seen that on a TV special. That is a very strange looking creature. It looks more mammal than it does reptile. And it is. Yeah. The crocodiles and the alligators are from prehistoric times. Yes, that's right, and they survived millions of years. It's possible that some small species of dinosaur, other than becoming birds, right? uh, Because a lot of them were feathered. The Velociraptors in Jurassic Park didn't look like that, and they weren't that big. They had most of them had feathers, and they uh, developed flight. But it's possible they could have also developed. They were very intelligent. They could have they could have developed in the in the humanoids. Like uh, you know, monkeys become man. Supposedly, I'm not sure if I believe the whole evolution thing. But genetic tampering, whatever you want to call it, yeah, is possible. That, uh, uh, we don't inherit reptile teeth, skin, and bones directly. We simply inherit the genes that make them possible. Right. So we do have similarities. And, uh, you would think with the uh, evolution of all creatures on this planet, we all share um, similarities in our DNA. Maybe. Yeah, if you believe in the Darwinian theories, you know, you know, first fish jump on the land, become amphibians, they become reptiles. Uh, they become birds. Birds become uh, mammals, or whatever. But I think maybe they might have been uh, <coughs> all over the place. The, maybe uh, it's not necessarily in that order. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go with cattle mutilations and what they're taking from these cows. Um, Where did that come from? No, you know, I got to talk about this because this is okay. I, yeah, well, I got to see where this is going. Go ahead. It's going. Trust me. They think that the blood that's taken from these animals, the aliens use it for food. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, that the they take the blood through their skin and feed themselves. Well, Paul Schneider from Dolce, New Mexico, that story, he's mentioned <clears> a lot about what they do with... I don't mean to get off the object, the no, subject that's okay. and everything, but... That's pretty, that's, uh, that's pretty close to the subject, yeah, that's a good point you made. Because yeah. this is something that's getting, uh, starting all over again. For those of you listeners out there, uh, if you want to check Actually, out a really... Scott if you want to check out a real strange story... Check out the story of Paul Schneider, if you don't already know it, from Dolce, New Mexico, D-U-L-C-E. Uh, he claims that he was uh, in the middle of a firefight between aliens and, sol- and human soldiers in, in a tunnel in uh, Dolce, New Mexico. He went down an elevator and he, got, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. He, uh, his fingers got blown off, part of his chest was blown up. He's done a lot of speaking engagements and uh, there's a lot of talk about uh, Dolce and uh, their involvement with aliens and uh, genetic tampering and blood and flesh being taken. 
So it's possibly there is some kind of connection with these mutilations. And the only gun he had was a three eighty. Yeah, three eighty that he used. He carried on job sites, mm-hmm. in case of snakes and stuff like that. And that's what he used to fight. But we lost that battle with the alien. They used lasers from their chest. Right, and if you've seen this man, look at Paul Schneider. If you've seen this man, his <clears> fingers, <throat> his chest, that wasn't done by any conventional weapon. And uh, I don't know how he walked around like that. Uh, I mean, uh, I think part of his part of his face he was, was murdered too. What? They found him one day in front of his window with a piano wire wrapped around his neck. Suicide? I don't, yeah, think, I don't so. think so. No. Yeah. In the same way with yeah. Forrester getting thrown out of his hospital window. <laughs> yeah, sure. Right. Yeah, yeah. He slipped and fell. Ah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Because sure, his yeah. brother was coming to take him out the next day, and he had to do something. With him. What happened to him? Oh, he fell on his knife 15 times. Yeah, poor guy. How unfortunate. I don't know. Well, are there other stories of humans uh, engaging in battle with aliens or reptilian humanoids, anything like that? Well, I don't hear too much about except for I hear about uh, well, regular people. I can tell you. Like the stories we told you earlier about the uh, the man who fought them off of the golf club and was near yeah. his truck. And there are a couple other well, stories here in the United States. Well, there is another story yeah. that a lot of people don't know about of yeah. uh, uh, Area 51 and and the uh, UFO that went down in Roswell. Um, when they got on the scene of that Roswell crash, they had M1 Grand rifles. <coughs> and the one alien was walking over the hill that was alive. A lot of people don't know this, it's true. And they kept saying, hope, hope, you know, that means stop. Well, he probably didn't even know that. He kept on walking and then he just that opened up on him and killed him. And that's a true story. But when it comes to aliens that are embedded in our our ufology, mm-hmm. are these reptilian? Do, do you think? Uh, do you think these just the stereotype of what an alien would be? Do you consider that a reptilian humanoid? Or according to David Icke, they're different. They're supposed but, to be different. But see, I go as far back to the fact that whatever the angels were. Whatever they were, however they conducted themselves with me, they were supposed to be shapeshifters. They can live among us as shapeshifters. They walk right by, you wouldn't even know who they are. These reptilians supposedly have that same power. And, uh, you know, 12 million Americans know the United States government is run by lizard people. Okay, <laughs> they know, okay? But they never said which members of the government are the reptilians. But they know, in quotation marks, and I, the United States government is run by lizard people. Uh, and um, they don't, I don't know I'm saying, well, okay, let's piece together the latest groundbreaking research about this and find out. <laughs> and these commenters at conspiracy websites, uh, we've been able to isolate a number of prominent individuals who possess reptilian compatible bloodlines. Uh, UFO chick writes, uh, David Ix, we're talking about him. Of course, he's a, a reptile theorist. Uh, he said, they will not become a reptilian unless a reptilian entity inhabits their physical body so supposedly uh they have to inhabit your body in order like i'm not saying that george bush was an alien all was born an alien but what they're saying is that these creatures these humans are are either allowing themselves to be taken over or possessed if you will by these reptilians and their their old identities are are gone you know but they don't become reptilians they get possessed 
mentally. Supposedly, there's lots yeah. of there's lots of theories and about no all that. He's turning into a reptilian. Yeah. No, but you can see their reptilian eyes. Yeah, you yeah. can see their eyes. So they're taking over the, the person's body completely. So if they wanted to take over your body completely, you may not be the same Jeremy Crothers or the same Ross Weidler. You'd be you'd be different. You wouldn't even no longer even literally, but you play the role. You know, as a, you just like in the like the TV show V, uh, with the reptiles, they disguise themselves as humans, but they were costumes. They weren't actually in the in the form. These beings can actually become you. They can take on your identity, uh, and then uh, sometimes there's dead giveaways. They can't always maintain that physical appearance. Uh, sometimes every once in a while you take a photograph of them, and their eyes make you might see the eyes change to slits. You might see the skin wrinkle a little bit, like they're they're trying to. Uh, reconstitute back into reptiles, but they can't do it in public in front of the cameras. So cameras carry these things all the time. They're using human form to achieve uh, total uh, uh, dominance over the world. Now, uh, if you're under assault by reptiles, protector of mankind uh, writes at alienufo.com that you can be a reptilian-human hybrid. It sort of varies, but according to David Ick, he said, the way it works, thousands of years ago, the reptilian beings from the constellations Orion, Sirius, and Draco intervened on planet Earth and began interbreeding with humans. That sounds a lot like the stories in the Bible. Not physically, however, but rather through the manipulation of the human coding, or DNA. Ike states that it is no coincidence that humans have fundamental reptilian genetics within their brain. You just talked about that a few minutes ago, all things we share with reptiles, including the reptilian brain, that little piece that's right in the middle. Okay. Now, whatever, the point being that it's easy to tell when you have or someone you know has been possessed by a reptile from outer space. Well, Ike doesn't describe how to spot someone um, who's been manipulated or merged with a reptilian probably to protect his lucrative speaking circuit revenues. The common signs, according to him, is... Uh, let's see. Well, where'd he go? Okay. <laughs> Prominence of green or hazel eyes that change color like a comedian, but also blue eyes. Uh, true red or reddish hair. Uh-oh. <laughs> Describing your... Uh-oh. Low He's pulse... very nervous. Yeah. Got low pulse rate. Low blood pressure. Take his blood pressure, Ross. <laughs> Keen sight and hearing. ESP. Uh, an extra rib or an extra vertebrae. Do you have an extra rib or vertebrae? All right. UFO connections. Like if you've been connected or contacted by UFOs. Uh, do you like space and science? You love space and science. Uh-oh. We've got to watch out. A sense of not belonging to the human race. Oh, sure. That's been... <laughs> but who doesn't feel that way sometimes? Yeah, I know. I was going to say. That's happened since junior high. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Grade school for me. Uh, piercing eyes. You got vodka uh, in that. <laughs> would you describe your eyes as piercing, uh, Jeremy? No. They're not like Bella Lugosi. Any paranormal occurrences? Okay. Psychic dreams. Uh, being a truth seeker. Uh, desire for higher wisdom, empathetic empathetic illnesses like you you can feel someone else's pain or their uh, illnesses or you oh. someone's sick. Mm-hmm. So, are you empathetic to other people's illnesses? Apathetic or empathetic actually, <laughs> but just yeah, I'm apathetic most of the time too. I'm not empathetic all the time. Uh, deep compassion for fate of mankind. <laughs> I think we all share that trait though. Yeah, to some extent. 
a sense of a mission in life, uh, psychic abilities, unexplained scars on your body, cap capability to disrupt electrical appliances. <laughs> Wait a minute. This is what Ike. Came oh my God, with. that sounds like someone we know, don't it? <laughs> Ross. <laughs> Alien contacts. All right. Now, supposedly, if you match up to most of these, then you're probably a reptilian or reptilian slash human hybrid. It just so happens that to uh, I match almost all of these. Uh, this person says in the book, not me, folks. Um, but I also match a list of signs that you're a vampire. But you know That's what? funny as heck. <clears throat> Everything boils down to a story, unless you got proof. Mm -hmm. That's right. And, and, and everything proof. that's discussed here tonight is a story, but we got to have the proof. You got to have, if the Gill Man exists, you got to have that sucker in custody to prove that he exists. And that's our problem as investigators. Our job is to try to get out there and prove these things exist. Thank you so much, Tony, for your time. And how do people find you online? Well, uh, I can be found on Facebook, um, and I can be my book can be found. Uh, All things truly wicked. Um, the whole idea there's like eleven short stories in it. Uh, the premise is that bad things happen to good people. Sometimes good people can become bad things. The characters within the book will find themselves confronting uh, horrific threats and will walk the line between daylight and shadow. In their desperation to find solace, security, or an easy way out of their internal hells, many will acquiesce to the supernatural tormentors, becoming one with the eternal darkness and their change forever. All things truly wicked start from innocence, and within these pages, the once innocent become the truly wicked. And that was taken from a, a quote from Ernest Hemingway from his memoirs, Immovable Feast. From Sophocles, he writes, The soul that has conceived one wickedness can nurse no good thereafter. And Frederick Nietzsche says, He who fights monsters should see to it that he himself does not become one. And I hope everybody enjoyed uh, hearing about reptilians. There's lots of material on the web about it that you can you can find. Uh, lots of books you can read on it. It's quite interesting stuff. And uh, if you can believe it or not believe it, you guys be the judges. <clears throat> I'll be bringing out my uh, book. It's going to be a reference book on all creatures that are investigated. Uh, I think it'll be a very good book to bring out as soon as I can get it uh, finished here. I'm almost done with mine. And my Close. name is Jeremy, and I can be found at jeremiahcrow.com, where there's a plethora of strange music, and my oddities collection is on there. And the museum is currently on hiatus, but it will be up yeah. and running once the uh, current plague leaves us. Any sightings, you can get me at 717-657-8023. Exactly. And you can reach us at our Facebook site. It is the Paranormal Search of Pennsylvania. And we have a YouTube channel as well under the same name. So please reach out to us with any interesting stories. I can be found on Facebook, Twitter. Um, I have a Facebook page, The Gromalkin's Hearth, along with my own personal Facebook page. Okay. That's for... Uh, Anybody that's interested in getting in, into the Grimalkin's hearth and sharing any stories they may have, real or fiction, uh, feel free. No. And Ross can be found at the parking lot of any given dollar store. Harassing <laughs> 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 people about walking dogs in the yeah. heat. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
Thank you for joining us this episode. If you would like to attend our monthly meetings, you may do so by visiting the Lower Paxton Municipal Building in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We meet the second Wednesday of every month between the hours of 7 and 9 p.m. Please visit our Facebook page, that is Paranormal Search of Pennsylvania. There you will find links to our YouTube channel and website.